factor of a trilogy. And I was like, uh, that's not going there. I poop from there. Uh, you know? Oh, oh hello. God. Welcome to the Carpenter Queens podcast, your favorite queer stoner horror podcast. The show dedicated to the best and worst the horror genre has to offer. Coming to you from the TCQ Video Store, the only fictional VHS rental spot where you can pick up the classics for only 69 cents a day. I think I'm going to rush Theta Peta this year. I really do think so. My name is Nick. I have many options. I'm mentally sick and visibly thick. My name is Raymond. Yes! All of the above <laughs> is correct. <laughs> Welcome back, sisters. Today's agenda, we need to discuss the Alpha, Beta, Theta, Pi mixer. Who's going to be sober, sister? Not it. Okay, don't everybody just get up at once. I know. And lastly, we are in our month of back to school. We're going to have to run a fire drill, and you know the fire drill. We would love for you all to leave a comment and rate the podcast. If you love what you hear, hit that subscribe or follow button wherever you are streaming. Mm, mm, mm. Our recommended rentals are a weekly staff pick, a film we either love, love to hate, or love to make fun of. If you've never seen the film, rent it from our store and come back for all the deets. Listen. Listen, Theta sisters. I have the talking stick. Everybody shut up. She's trying to talk. Up, Becky. Our recommended rental is a wild party for our lives. Let's hold a deep, dark secret and find out who our real friends are in Sobari Row. And now, our feature presentation. This Mean Girls Wannabe Slasher is available to stream on Tubi, Freebie. I don't know what a freebie is, but I feel like this is season th- season three's Fubo. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> I am sorry to this man. Not Fubo. <laughs> Return to Fubo. <laughs> Fubo's revenge. Son of Fubo, freebie. <laughs> <laughs> I watched it for free on Amazon with ads uh, because of freebie. So there you go. It it was on HBO Max. For it like, was on a stream. It was on a. For yes, like a split it was on second, a big right? streaming platform. Yeah, because I remember I was scrolling through and I saw it. Okay, spoiler alert. This was my first watch. Um, and so I remember I, I saw it on the streaming site and I was like, oh, I remember. I think we'd already put this on the list. I was like, oh, I have to watch this. So we put it on the list. When it came time to watch, it was gone. <laughs> but it was meant to be. Because the week prior to me having to watch and like two weeks prior to us recording, I found, while thrifting, a copy of Sororo <gasps> for $2 at my local Salvation Army. By the way, don't shop Salvation Army because they're religious, but I mean, sometimes they have cool shit. $2 for Sorority Row. You know what? Let's go recruit some new pledges. Let's talk about how you felt about this first watch. Well, we head on over to our favorite segment. 420, which is smoking. Let's make sure we are nice and toasty as we talk while we smoke. What did you smoke with this week's watch? Uh, this week, I didn't have time to get anything fancy, so I'm still working on my stash, and I relied on my good old trusty sativa that is Georgia Pie. Uh, every time you bring it up, it just sounds delicious. It also sounds like like a single. Like, I don't know whose single this would it's be. It's Sweet as Pie, that's why. <laughs> oh, that's sweet as Pie by Megan Thee Stallion and Dua Lipa. There we go. I think the same thing every time I smoke it. Queers, 
But what did you smoke for this wild kegger that we're about to embark on? <laughs> I forgot about keggers. Uh, I actually took an edible this morning. Um, today is my day off, so Ooh. I ate some brekkie, got some coffee, and then popped me edible. Delicious, delicious. Ding, <laughs> dong. It was wonderful. It's <laughs> <laughs> so stupid. <coughs> I'm all. Where the f did this British accent come from? Where did Roman come from? Excuse me, lady. How did you feel about your first time watch of Sorority Row? I have been dying to ask you this. Yeah, you have been trying to push this movie since season two. Yes, I have. And I, I have been fighting it. And, and you brought up a very good theme month for this month. You essentially, you know, a little behind the scenes too, you essentially planned out the entire season by yourself. We just like, I gave my notes and we moved some things around. So this is all you, this back to school month. And this is one of your favorites. I know this is one of your favorites. So I was curious, you got some- I got some f***ed up favorites. Your taste I've got some is up all favorites. over the place. And it, it really is a game of Russian roulette when you suggest something. However, this, it gives me like campy goodness with these quotes. And what really is the highlight for me are the kills. The kills in this are fucking wicked. Wicked, wicked, wicked. Wicked on Broadway. I love, and without spoiling anything, what really solidified it for me that I, I knew I was gonna like this and that this was a solid choice to buy, spoiler alert, my rating, that this was a solid buy was the first kill. And we'll get into it in the breakdown. Is this what it's like for little kids on Christmas? Because I am so <laughs> happy right now. My favorite thing in the world is to make people watch my favorite movies. You can ask any of my mm, friends. Same. Every single one of my friends, if you ever come over to my house, guaranteed you don't have a choice. I am popping in a video. I've got snacks and I've got weed. Here we go. And it's usually hereditary. Yeah, it kind of is. <laughs> <laughs> Why this movie? Why this movie? Like, why this movie? Why do you love it so much? Why did you push this on me for two seasons? So, this movie, released in 2009, I was there at the dawn of time of this movie. This movie came out during a time period that we love to title the remake renaissance. Do -do -do -do. I, it, this was just another remake, another remake. My Bloody Valentine, House of Wax, Friday the 13th, Nightmare on Elm Street, Piranha. I feel like fucking Hayden Panettiere. Hayden <laughs> it's gotta be one of those, right? Right? And this just happened to be there during this time period. And this one got lost. This was 2009. It was getting towards the oh, end yeah. of it. Uh -huh. This is when people were getting really tuckered out on remakes. But this one is so catty. It fits in line of like mean girls meets slasher yes. but written yes. by a guy who might be experimenting with his like sexuality do you know what i'm like <laughs> it's so misogynistic there were, but somehow there were, like kind of queer undertones there's a, it's undertones highlights overlights there's bangs and this it's a blunt cut no this movie is so <laughs> queer this movie is so queer it's wearing a queer mullet Yay. let's go Let's go. Let's go. I can't wait to talk about it. Uh, let's check out the VHS's special features and find out who made and who starred in this wild slasher. 
Sorority Row was released September 13, 2009. It has a runtime of one hour and 41 minutes. It is a little long. We discussed earlier. I can agree. It runs a little long. But it is not as dread... It's not as dreadful of House of Wax. I'd rather... T- it's not. I will give you that. I will give you that. Okay. But it's long. It is a long movie. It's it long. is a long movie. It is rated R. Moving on to taglines. Sisters for life and death. They share a killer secret. The sisters of Theta Pi are dying to keep a secret. Theta Pi must die. They lost their friend because of a secret they would never tell. Now their past is coming back to kill them. It's all fun and games until someone gets stabbed with a tire iron. Those last two are horrendous. <laughs> Horrendous. I love Sisters for Life and Death. Um, the Sisters of Theta Pi are dying to keep a secret and Theta Pi must die. Those are really cute. I love anything that's kind of like plays on the sorority shtick, mm-hmm. collegiate kind of attitude. That's fun. It I is agree. fun. Those, those last two are horrendous. <laughs> winded. The tire iron. Really? That's two on the nose. It's two on the nose. Uh, we have our director, Stuart Handler, who mainly had done short films and the 2007 crime horror film Whisper. I had to look it up to know what it was. And that's kind of it. That, that's it. We're done. End the list. With a screenplay by Josh Stolberg and Peter Goldfinger, who would both go on to write Piranha 3D, Jigsaw in 2017, and Spiral in 2021. The original screenplay, which was originally titled Seven Sisters, was written by Mark Rosman, who most interestingly directed 11 episodes of the Lizzie McGuire TV show and directed a Cinderella story. Oh! And directed the original film as well. But we're more impressed with Lizzie. The original Lizzie McGuire movie? No, the uh, the original. Oh, sorry, Ed, the, I should have wrote that better. Oh, and directed the original House on Sorority Row as well. But we're more impressed with Lizzie McGuire. Oh, Lizzie McGuire, that's so random. <laughs> that, the, it's wow. all over the place. I will happily take that Disney money though. Like no shade, no shade. Get that coin, sis. Um, but I can totally see that these writers went on to write Piranha, Jigsaw, Spiral. They all reek of the same writers. They do, especially Piranha 3D. This is very in line of that time period. I had never seen a jigsaw. Mm-hmm. I had never seen a spiral. Sorry. Sorry. Actually, I'm not. I'm not. Like, it's not the vibe. Stop! They lost me after, like, the fourth. After Saw 13. <laughs> we have Brianna Evigan as Cassidy Tappan, Leah Pipes as Jessica Pearson, Rumor Willis as Ellie Morris, Jamie Chung as Claire Wynn, Margot Hashman as Charlene Chugs Bradley, uh, Julianne Morris as Andy Richards, Audrina f-ing Patridge as Megan Blair. Hold up the f-ing We're gonna place. stop everybody. Stop! What, does anyone now know who this is? Know who this is. <laughs> it, I think that's gonna be this week's poll on the Spotify. Do you know? <laughs> yes, yes! How f- oh, well, like I said in, in another episode, a lot of our demographic is our age, but we do True. have that small bracket of a slightly older demographic and a slightly younger demographic. And I don't know if if you weren't like really entwined into like the Hills and uh, reality TV at the time. I don't know. If you I don't know. Reality TV was king at the time. 
the hills, mm-hmm. uh, Laguna Beach. Not, it's a read. I'm not sorry. Why does she get a billing? This is like a cameo. Oh, because it's so it, it's so in touch at the time to have like whoever's hot at the time make a cameo in your horror slasher flick. Hello, Paris and House of Wax. First up, Paris had way more to do and was better than Ad- Adrena couldn't even die. She couldn't even die right. I can't wait to get to it. Listen, an actor, she was not, but uh, an audience, she brought. Mm. Trademark, trademark, trademark. <laughs> Moving on to the rest of our top build cast, we have Caroline Damore as Maggie Blair, Carrie fucking Fisher as Mrs. Crenshaw. Pump the brakes again. Princess Leia herself. We just discussed her in Scream 3. That's what I was just gonna say. How did we unknowingly cast Carrie Fisher twice in one month at the beginning of the season? Carrie Fisher, come through. I love her. I love I love her here. I wish we had more with her. I I so when you first tried to sell me this and I had to go watch the trailer and as soon as I saw Carrie Fisher, I was like, <gasps> I yes. And I was like, yes. Okay, I'm on board now. Carrie Fisher as a badass? Hell yeah. I mean, when isn't she a badass? What am I saying? We have Matt O'Leary as Garrett Bradley. Matt Lanter as Kyle Tyson. Max Hennard as Mickey Donaldson. Rick Applegate as Senator Tyson. Ken Bolden as Dr. Rosenberg. And Nicole Moore as Joanna. Uh, how do you feel about the rest of this cast? Listen, no one's winning an Oscar today. However. Honestly. Um, I love Brianna Evigan. Just step up to Hello. So hot. Loved her. She was. She, I, I, I understand. I love her in this. Leah Pipes. For me. MVP. Yes. My pick yes. of the week. Every yes. line that comes out of her mouth is golden. Golden. Wow. Mm-hmm. 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 She is totally that character. Rumor Willis. Nepotism comes in handy, don't it, baby? Wow, wow, wow. Where the range, darling? She doesn't have the range. I will give her, she can scream. She has a set of lungs. Oh, yeah. She has a set of lungs. Mm -hmm. But, uh, I love Jamie Chung, though. I do love Jamie Chung as an actress. Uh, But let's move on to Ray's favorite part Reviews! IMDb gave it a 5.1 out of 10. Oh, Jesus. That made me choke. Metacritic, it got a 24 out of 100. Letterboxd, it averaged a 2.6 out of 5. And on Rotten Tomatoes, it got a 26% on the tomato meter. And a 32% audience score. (laughs) I just need to point this out. Hold on. Before we talk about these, Amazon, when I went on there, it had a 4.5 out of 5 out of 701 reviews. (gasps) Who's trolling I want, here? So let's talk about this. How do you feel about these scores and its reflection on the movie? These scores are the lowest scores we've had this yeah, they season. They are? 100% so far. So far. I don't know. We'll see about the rest of the season. Wow. Brenda, these are some pretty low scores. I'm even surprised. I'm especially surprised with the letterbox because usually that's like straight from like watchers. Like people yeah. who are watching the audience. So for that to be so low, that means like a lot of people really do. I not can like see why. It's, I don't think it's that It's bad. fairly offensive. It's. V- oh, yeah. But I mean, I don't. Look, 
if you're gonna watch a movie from this time period, you have to be aware that there's gonna be offensive shit in there. It's not only until this last like decade, decade, if even that, if even that, that we started to become more aware of these things and start to either address them or just remove them completely from the genre. So if you're gonna watch from anything within the last 10 to 15 years, you're gonna find some offensive shit. But that's what's also keeping in line with, A, yes, the early 2000s, because disgusting time period within pop culture. But the fact that these remakes are still reflecting what the 80s and the 70s brought to these movies. Those movies are also pretty offensive when you go back and watch a lot of them. So I'm just going to repeat what you stated. In the past 10 years, yes, is when we've started to change. So take this what you will. I think they're fairly low for this movie. This movie... I think the reason why is that this movie, a lot of the time, takes itself too seriously. And if it didn't and really leaned into this catty nature of the movie, I guarantee this would be a cult favorite. Yeah, if they leaned a little more into that, like, mean girl kind of culture, um, that would have been, and like, oh, maybe giving them, like, a pink weapon, like a weapon with a pink Uh, handle. Oh, I mean, I, I I see it. Like, don't get me wrong. We're not delusional. This is not a perfect film by any means. Uh, I just feel like even after, I don't know, maybe this just doesn't have a big as a cult following as we thought. Right? But maybe I can change some people's minds. Uh, it's time to find out how this movie was made when we head into the behind-the-scenes featurette. Moving on to our budget. We have a budget of $12.5 million and a box office worldwide gross income of $27 million. Hello, that is double your budget, which I know it's is not, not yeah. great at But you time, made your budget back. But you made your budget back at times, you know, one, two, whatever. I guess that would be enough to go fund a better movie. Um <laughs> Jesus. But, like, this doesn't surprise me. This yeah. looks like a $12.5 million. It looks like every other slasher during this time period. Yeah. Like, it truly, truly does. All shade. Intended. Yeah, there's nothing super fantastical or groundbreaking about this by any means. Groundbreaking. Let's talk about production. In a very rare turn of events, there isn't much to report on this film. It is such a small moment in the remake renaissance. Trademark. That there isn't much to report. Summit Productions, who made the film, was turning out remake after remake during this time period. So there really wasn't enough information, or to be very frank with everybody, there wasn't enough interesting information for me to note on this film. So that's about it, everybody. Uh, If you come to listen to the show for the behind the scenes, come back next week. Sorry. (laughs) Come back (laughs) next Maybe we'll get something more interesting. Because we're about to move on. We're moving on. With that, let's go fix our hair. Let's go fix our makeup because we're about to go into Rush Week, sisters. We'll be right back. Suffer, sisters, suffer. (laughs) We'll be right back after these messages. Our movie opens at a raging kegger at Theta Pi. This party has got it all. An indoor trampoline pillow fight, body shaming hazing, make-out rooms with heavy petting, and in the kitchen is their iconic den mother, Carrie Fish, I mean, Mrs. Crenshaw. <laughs> After some quick intros over a core group of girls, Cassidy, Ellie, Chugs, and Claire meet up in head bitch in charge's Jessica's room for a Theta toast. But before they toast, they give each other shout-outs, which according to them is just a chance to read each other and make horrible confessions. After their shots, Cassidy asks where Megan is. 
Jessica instructs the girls to gather around her laptop for what she says is sure to be a YouTube classic. Chugs pulls up Jessica's laptop. On it is a video feed from Megan's room where she is dry humping her ex, Garrett, who also happens to be Chugs's brother. Jessica notices that Meg isn't moving. The girls admit to giving Garrett roofies to slip her to help get her in the mood. As the couple continues to bump uglies, Megan begins to foam at the mouth, which causes Garrett to freak out and run into the hallway where the girls meet him. They rush inside, and Jessica begins to give Megan CPR while Garrett pulls Jessica's car around. When he leaves, Claire closes the door, and Megan reveals herself to be just okay. The girls explain that this is all part of an elaborate plan to get revenge on Garrett for cheating on Megan. This is a pretty up revenge plan. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Right off the bat, you immediately are inclined to not like these girls. These group of... If you do like these girls, you are those girls and stop it. (laughs) (laughs) You're that girl I knew you were. (laughs) How do you feel about this this hottest rager? The hottest rager around? This raging kegger. I mean, I I didn't get this experience, so I don't know. Um... It's there. It, I feel like it's a really cool setting. I will give it that. I see why you chose this for a back to school month. It's a great setting. Uh huh. Um, what's it called? Sorority life setting. It's great. Um, I love these mean girls. They're great. Each one is like a distinct character. We have Jessica, who's the HBIC. We have Chugs, who's the drunk slash slut. We have Ellie, who's like the quiet. Nerdy, Dork, who's like yeah. A wallflower, uh, Cassidy, who's like part of the group, but still has like a heart of gold. I want to say who's she's still, the final like, girl. She's a sorority sister with heart. Okay. Shade. Well, for the for all you know, intents and purposes, and Claire, who's just you know, she's there. That's another person. <laughs> she's like really pretty. <laughs> <laughs> I love this single shot, okay? This, like, full oh, yeah. tour of the house. Yes. This party is fucking insane. I have never been to a party like this. And I've been to gay clubs, and I've never seen it like this. <laughs> I love this. I We get introduced to Carrie Fisher, who, to me, was probably paid a week. And she shot her scenes completely separate from the rest of the girls, unless they actually needed her to be with the girls. Oh, yeah, 100%. It stated that in her contract. I don't want to see these girls. I don't want to be near these girls. <laughs> I heard she's amazing. I don't want to I don't want to tarnish her brand. Oh, yeah, no, I'm sorry. This is us totally building a fantasy in our heads. We love Carrie Fisher. I want to see the receipts. It's time for a Theta Toast, everybody. Theta Toast. And a, a toast to them is literally them reading each other the house down boots, calling each other sluts and drunks, and admitting to things, and it's f***ed up. It's very f***ed up. Um, I like being your friend because it makes me multicultural without really trying. What? The? Racism within the first five minutes. minutes. Two minutes. Not even five. We didn't even make it to five. It's 2009, y'all. If you thought you were free from the casual racism, y'all are fucking lacking. I... Ellie, you're like being a spell check with a nice rack. Like, that's actually kind of... Thanks. I think. What a backhanded compliment. And then Cassidy gives the ultimate read. I love you, Jessica, because you make being a bitch an art form. And it's just like, come through, everybody. Everybody. Sisters. Sisters. Backhanded compliments were invented in 2009 by Jessica and Sorority <laughs> Row. How do you feel about your central core cast? Because we're, we're with them the whole time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, it's very much almost like a Scooby-Doo gang where everyone has a distinct character and a role. I, I enjoy it. They they bring some comedic relief with the bitchiness. I find it comedic anyways. I like it. I enjoy it. I feel like it's total archetypal, like their characters. Slashers. This is a slasher through and through. And it mm-hmm. really, I want it to really revel in that more and really play up these interactions with these girls because when they do interact with each other, it's the best parts of this movie. I love... Sorry, I guess I'm just that, that that queer. I love when they get catty with each other. It's so good. Because oh, yeah. remember, everybody. Theta Pi, we honor thee from life to death sorority. Woo! We've been waiting for you all summer, and we're so glad you're finally here. Megan is missing from the toast. And they're wondering where she is. And they pull up the laptop. And here we get some more. What did you, you addressed it in like last season, I think, of this time period and its obsession with video cameras and recording people without consent and all that. It's, it's just, this prank is disgusting. Like this is horrible. However, this is totally like terror train prom night. Like all of these like uh, horrible, like slasher movies with some really fucked up beginnings. This is some fucked up (laughs) shit. This is some fucked up shit. Let's break it down. They state that they roofied her, their own friend. They gave him the roofies. Mm-hmm. They were okay with him roofing her. They try to cover up the fact that she started foaming at the mouth and almost died. That's just the beginning. Now it is 10 minutes, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> and we're recording at the same time. We have a murder, drug you, drugging, and a cover-up already. Yes. Sexual assault. What is happening? (laughs) A lot happens in the first like 10 minutes of this film. Uh, Yeah, it happened. This is our storyline. This is what we're going with. All because Garrett cheated on Megan. Even though Megan cheated on him, you don't fuck over a Theta Pi sister. Because if you fuck over one Theta, you fuck all of us. I would like to see it. Wait, no. Is that right? They probably have. Oh. (laughs) But do you know the gag of the century for me is that the fact that Garrett is Gary fucking Giggles from Spy Kids. The- I fucking <laughs> knew it. I knew it, bitch. When I saw him, I was like, is that Gary fucking Giggles? What? Where's Gertie? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Where are our Spy Kids 2 fans at? Come through. I lost it. I totally lost it. All he, I could see was Gary Giggles. All I could see was Gary Giggles. And all he does is just freak out this whole movie. He's freaking out here. Uh, apparently, Audrina, I mean, Megan, is um, dead. <laughs> um, speaking of Audrina, all of her shots are super close up because they're scared to show out any more to show her acting. Like, when she's foaming at the mouth, it's on her mouth or it's on her eyes. It's not on her whole face. Because she can't... <laughs> She can't emote. Oh, man, so I love it a bit, but she doesn't have the ring. It's not giving, but you know what it is giving <laughs> is homophobia. When Jessica comes over and tries Ooh. to give her CPR, and then they re- the, the gig is up, and she states, Easy there, Leslie Lohan. Yay. <laughs> <laughs> but, we love alliteration. <laughs> we love alliteration, and the homophobia is deep. Wow. 2009 just comes a knocking. If you listen, if we already had racism, what, what makes you think homophobia is off the table? Uh-huh. Uh-huh. It's bad on every level, but yet I'm still here for it. Why am I still here for it? I mean, what else did we have at the time? What ki- what else did we have as a resource? 
In the car, Garrett rightfully freaks out about what's going on. Cassidy attempts to tell him the truth, but Jessica keeps talking over her and gaslighting Garrett. Claire drives the group to the abandoned Beck Mining Company. The group hops out of the car and devise a plan while Garrett pukes in the bushes. They move Megan's body to the floor. When they do, she sets up her phone to record what's going on. As the girls disperse to look for sharp objects to cut Megan up with, Garrett grabs a tire iron from the trunk and plunges it into Megan's chest. Her screams are muffled by mouthfuls of blood. Her sisters run to her side to aid her, but it's too late. Megan has succumbed to her wound. The girls stand around and argue morals and what the right thing to do is. Jessica manages to talk the girls into following through with the fake plan they had in mind. Cassidy is the only one who refuses to take any part in the cover-up. She walks away to search for cell reception. Jessica and the rest of the girls quickly drag Megan's lifeless corpse to the top of a hill where a well sits that drops into the mine. The sisters wrap Megan in Cassidy's jacket and toss her into the well, along with her cell phone. Cassidy catches up with the girls just in time for them to reveal what they've done. They all turn on her and say they'll keep her secret. Her secret of killing Megan with a tire iron. Jessica picks up the murder weapon and tosses it in as well before walking away. Her fellow sisters follow suit and thank Cassidy. Ooh, oh my god, talk about turning on a dime. Okay, let's talk about Garrett's freak out. He's freaking out, man. He's freaking out. I really, like I said, I like when the sisters work together. I don't, I'm just fucked up. These actors are playing like stereotypes of like sorority sisters. Like when uh-huh. I think of, so you've talked about, we've both talked about our feelings about sororities and fraternities and mm-hmm. things like that. And this is absolutely playing into every single one of the stereotypes that they're horrible people, that they pay their friends. Because <laughs> after this moment of these sisters working together, they all turn on each other so quickly. So, so oh, yeah. quickly. It is, it is kind of, it's kind of good to watch. I love the drama. I love the it's drama. Everyone's out for themselves. Mm-hmm. But while they're trying to play up this horrible joke, Megan records herself on the, on the best flip phone. <laughs> The flip phone. <laughs> Very telling of the times with this flip phone and the like, the megapixels on that baby. Did you see the megapixels? <laughs> it, the, uh, the rainbow wheel of loading before the camera turns on also mm-hmm. killed me. It's great. Yes. It's great. I bet you more than anything, that video didn't even record at all. I bet you got like a minute of it because cameras weren't <laughs> able to like. <laughs> Honestly, you didn't have enough memory in the phone. Let alone being able to send it. I feel like you couldn't even send it at the time. That's a lot of money. That's like 65 <laughs> cents right there. She's got rich parents that can afford it. This is true. But then Garrett, in the midst of this freakout, thinking that he actually killed Megan, actually committed sex- was trying to commit sexual assault and was okay with it and is now like freaking out about it, uh, stabs her with this tire iron and Adrena... Megan. <laughs> that... Mm. <laughs> Megan. <laughs> Megan begins to die... A horrendous death, in my opinion. Like, just being stabbed, and then... But why did he stab her with the tire iron if she was already dead? Like, I don't understand. Because they stated that... Well, Ellie stated that you have to get the air out of the lungs because if you throw it in, like, water, the lungs will make it rise to the top. Oh, I miss, see, I missed that part. I guess. I don't know. Because the nerd said so! And now she's complicit! <laughs> and now she's part of... Now she's part of the... <laughs> Jessica's line, though, of when they're talking about trying to get the air out of Megan's chest is, Well, what about those implants? Does silicone flow? Ah! 
<laughs> She's not really dead. It's okay to read her. It's totally fine, guys. Dearly beloved, we're gathered here today because a backstabbing little bitch got exactly what was coming to her. I want to talk about Jessica, the master manipulator, the ultimate gaslighter. <laughs> Honestly. How do you feel about Jessica? Especially in this moment. She knows how to get what she wants. She <laughs> knows how to gaslight people. She knows how to, like you said, she's a master manipulator, a gaslighter. She she really is a bitch on wheels and knows how to get what she wants. Except when it comes to her boyfriend and his dad, which we'll get to. Which is really creepy and nasty. It is super creepy and nasty. Um, All credit to Leah Pipes. Jesus Christ. She's so good at playing that bitchy character. And then she's oh, so yeah. good in these moments when you can tell she's freaked out and she's still just like, I am the president of Theta Pi. <laughs> I cannot go down like this. This is Elle Woods if she didn't go to law school. What, like a tarp? Don't you do Elle Woods like that. Elle Woods was a total sweetheart. She was a total sweetheart. Um, but, and the looks, honey. Did you see the looks? She's a bitch on wheels while turning looks. The chunky jewelry, though, is a is a is a moment. Is a moment. I'll just say that <laughs> it was a moment in fashion history. <laughs> I just I feel really bad for Garrett, but I don't feel really bad for Garrett because no, horrible. You wouldn't be here in this situation. Just the fact that they all tricked him, and then now they're like, "Oh fuck, oh fuck." This is very. I know to me, I still know what you did last uh-huh. summer. This uh-huh. is totally uh-huh. in vain. Yes, I agree. It's giving very much the vibes, especially with the the reveal later with the killer and how they look. It gives the same silhouette as the fisherman from I Know What You Did Last Summer. I didn't very I didn't put two and two together, but you're absolutely right. Uh, we talk about the what happened to the tenets of sisterhood, trust, honor, and respect. You also forgot secrecy and solidarity. Mm, that that was actually that's those are those are great lines i actually really like those lines there's a lot to me there's a lot of really fun memorable lines mm-hmm. you can agree, disagree if you like but uh there are some memorable moments in this movie that are very redeeming they are very redeeming but in this long movie sometimes they feel far and few in between the mm-hmm. bad aspects of this movie so it like it ebbs and flows in such an odd way to me yeah i agree there's a, a peaks and valleys darling the movie progresses to really show that these characters are, are off awful because they all turn and just gladly bury their i guess bot friend and decide to cross that line of being murderers yeah, I mean... These are not likable characters, everybody. No, which is why we don't feel bad to see them die. She hit it. She hit it, she hit it on the nail. <laughs> <laughs> uh, they're so quick to, to ditch their dead friend. They're so quick to turn on their sister who doesn't want to engage in this cover-up. And so they're like, fine, you're not going to engage. We're going to pin it on you, and we're all going to be against you. Ugh. <sighs> Dirty. They did her dirty. They did everybody dirty. Dirty, dirty, dirty. We flash forward eight months to graduation day. Andy, Cassidy's boyfriend, gives the valedictorian speech. After the ceremony, the remaining Theta Pi sisters toast with champagne while Cassidy watches from the side. Back at home, Cassidy expresses how much she does not feel like attending the final Theta Pi luncheon. Andy tells her to skip it, but she explains her mother is a legacy and we will want to see the house. 
We cut to Cassidy escorting Andy and her parents to the Theta Pi function. Jessica greets them before they even make it to the front door. Jessica greets everyone with a plastic smile and a passive-aggressive comment toward Andy before flouncing away. We get a quick cutaway of Chugs helping with freshman orientation, which is just her drunkenly hooking up with a freshman and questioning his sexuality when he won't take advantage of her. She runs off and joins the luncheon late. She runs off and joins the luncheon late, stumbling on stage while Jessica gives her speech. While Jessica gives her corny speech, a young woman makes her way through the crowd. As she does, Jessica honors Megan in her speech. As Jessica mentions their still-missing sister, the young woman emerges from the crowd and we see a flash of Megan's face. It causes Ellie to scream and faint, bringing the luncheon to a screeching halt. Ellie's missed it. So much screaming. So much screaming. First of all, I do not believe Cassidy's mother to be a legacy of Theta Pi. Why? Where was the fashion, darling? <gasps> Where was the bitchiness? What was the glamour? You'll never be glamour. Especially after what Theta is churning out. Like, if these are any representation of what you're churning out in this sorority, I and expected more. And they can more. afford renovations. Oh, the whole East Wing of the house is under renovations. So there's this, uh, like, final Theta Pi luncheon where they're essentially like, yay, graduation, yay, white Anglo-Saxon Protestants. Um... And Jessica is totally that plasticky bit fake bitch who was nice to your face and said crude mean things once you turned around. And she's totally passive aggressive towards Andy. And we're snapping, you... snapping sisters. Everybody's snapping oh, whilst Jessica's giving giving her speech. Exactly what I imagine this character to be like, and yet I'm still reveling in it. Because even when she pauses, when you think about Megan. Every, everyone else is sincere about it, but she's the only one that's just like, I got to get through this because back to me. But I want to mention <laughs> everyone's peak fashion. Everybody's pink fashion. I'm loving the headbands. I'm loving the strapless but scrunchy short dresses. Oh I'm loving the no. flats. I'm loving the heels with, it looks like it's a cage, but there's a giant crystal on it. There's also like a crystal formage underneath the, the, the carriage. It's disgusting. It's so Not early. the flats. It's the flats. The, <laughs> the flats. ballet flats. The ballet the, flats. Those were so unflattering. All tea, all shade. So unflattering. Even then, I thought they were unflattering. Very much a time capsule on fashion, on music, on homophobia and misogyny. So, uh, it's Enjoy there. it. It happened. Speaking of the homophobia, Chugs, she's making out with a guy in the kitchen, and he tells her, You taste like vomit. You need to leave! You taste oh, like vomit. I threw up, but it's okay. I, I had a mint. You're good. I would have puked on her. <laughs> <laughs> and then, and then she says that he's gay because he doesn't want to take advantage of her and go down on her while she's drunk. No. Miss Ma'am. No. What a turn. No. What a turn. These characters are so thinly written, too, that this is just mm-hmm. like, that it's just mm-hmm. like, you're just putting Chugs, this here to be here. For me, Chugs has no redeeming qualities. Shame. It's because it's written by two dudes who think that this girl exists. Two dudes. Two dudes. It's all over it. Oh, God. God. But we get Ellie screaming again. Hi, girl. No, this is her first scream, isn't it? Oh, no, no, no. She screamed when they killed Megan. 
Yeah. If she's not, <laughs> if she's not quiet to herself, she's screaming. She's very. Extreme. But she's got a great scream. She's she got does. a great scream. She's a great scream queen. Um, she. <laughs> I think we get to it. Yeah, yeah, we'll get to it in the next breakdown. But she screams after seeing a flash of Megan's face come through the crowd, which leads us to the kitchen. In the kitchen, the girls reconvene. Jessica scolds Ellie for fainting. Ellie says she saw the Megan in the crowd. Jessica quickly corrects her and says she saw her sister, Maggie. Just then, Maggie bursts in on the girls, making them all visibly uncomfortable. As Jessica and the rest of the girls try to rush Maggie out, she tells them that she's attending Rossman next year, as well as rushing Theta Pi. The news prompts Jessica to rush her out as the jock boyfriends rush in. Jessica puts them to work to find decorations in the cellar for the party. As everyone disperses, their phones begin to go off. Someone has sent them a photo of the murder weapon. They all freak out. When they try to figure out who sent it, Chugs accuses her brother Garrett of sending it. She explains that since the incident, he's grown a very dark sense of humor and in a very bad place in his life. Jessica instructs everyone to delete it. She tells Claire to delete off Ellie's cell phone before she can even see it. In a spooky, decrepit hallway, Cassidy calls Andy and asks if he can accompany her to the Theta Pi party. Then they can head to the parents' lake house after. He agrees and they make gross puppy talk. Back in the Theta Pi courtroom, Mrs. Crenshaw gives the girls some parting wisdom and a little gift. A bracelet that isn't up to Jessica's standards. As Princess Leia leaves the girls for their fun night of debauchery, the girls roll up the kegs, solo cups, and Claire makes sure there's plenty of suds for the phone party as she pours soap in the jacuzzi. I forget that this whole movie takes place, essentially... At the Theta house the entire time. We're here a lot. If we're not at Megan's grave, we are here. So it's just like, enjoy this house while you can. And seeing how much money this fucking place has. Jesus. But Jessica asks the very important question to Ellie. Okay, who up and faints anymore? (laughs) (laughs) I love it. How dare you faint during my speech? She's such a bitch. I love her. I love her so much. All of her lines are freaking fantastic. Uh, The most important (laughs) thing to gain from this, besides the fact that, of course, the girls are getting threatening letters. Instead of, I know what you did last summer, I'm going to text you. Like, I love that. Mm -hmm. Come on, New Age. Look at us adapting. Ooh. Come on, 2009. (laughs) We get our first red herring of Maggie, Megan's sister. Do you think she looks like a tree? I guess it's believable. Yeah, I was just about to say, I guess it's believable. I mean, she's got long, dark hair like Audrina, so I guess. Yeah, and she also wants to uh, rush Theta Pi, and it makes all the girls visibly uncomfortable because, obviously, they murdered their sister. It's, I gotta keep the deep, dark secret, but Jessica, once again, I'm sorry. <laughs> no, 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 yeah, add me on Facebook, I'll totally confirm. And then she just shoots her. <laughs> It's, I can't, I can't. This mo- I love when this movie revels in the campiness and just, like, the stupidness of the situation. Like, of course someone's going to find out. Of course all of these things are going to happen. It's You're in a slasher, girl. And it's great. It's great to see them all freak out. And all Ellie will do for the rest of this one hour and 42 minute runtime is cry and yes. constantly be freaking out. And scream. We'll get a few more and screams scream. from her. Uh, and the scream. So... Chug says, oh, I think Garrett sent the, the photo. He's in a really dark place in his life right now, and he's developed this very dark sense of humor. Excuse me? You think 
sending photos of a murder weapon is a dark sense of humor? It was the early 2000s, Bill. Like It was the late every... 2000s. It was the late 2000s, Bill. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. He already looked like he was going to snap before anything happened to him. <laughs> Honestly. They should have killed him that night, too, because he, obviously he was going to snap. He already committed murder once. <laughs> might as well do it again. Well, shit, we already killed Megan. We might as well kill him, too. He the one who killed her. Protect you myself. <laughs> God, you're always suggesting murder. Just kill him. <laughs> well, shit, we already killed him. Might as well rob his ass. They should have. <laughs> <laughs> they got the picture. Chug says it was probably Garrett. And then Jer- uh, Jessica's like, delete it. Fucking delete it. There was no pictures. And she del- doesn't even let Ellie see it. Rightfully so, because this bitch would have freaked out screamed, fainted, and then told somebody else. We get to Mrs. Crenshaw giving a, a wonderful speech that's all a lie and she knows it. But, like, <laughs> it's, it's it's just Carrie Fisher, man. Even just her giving a speech like this is great. Her also knowing, like, her giving that face of, like, Jessica's gone tonight. She's not coming back tomorrow. <laughs> Just remember that. Finally getting rid of this entitled little bitch. Just for another one to come in for another four years. I was just going to say, another one's going to move into her place. It's like a freaking uh-huh. Hydra. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and then she, so it's really sweet though. Like even though she's, you know, she gives off this bitch vibe, she's still sweet. And she gives each girl a parting gift that is not up to Jessica's high standards because it didn't come in a teal blue box. And it's going to come in handy later if you just believed in sisterhood and solidarity for real and not commit murder, Jessica. She only believes in the secrecy and solidarity. Not hey, I, I guess, like, you know, it's like when people read the Bible. It's like, I believe in these lines, but not these lines. Exactly. <laughs> Claire gets into the jacuzzi, which will come into play later as she puts a shit ton of bubbles. To be- oh, oh no, did my, t- oh, did my top come off? Oh, oh my god. It's just so slippery and sudsy. You absolutely know a straight male wrote this. They're like, you know what? Oh, Lisa yeah. being here, fucking titties. Because we get. Everyone will love it. Every, there's so much of it. It feels like an 80s movie with just like some more money, but less knowledge on fashion. But I think we only see like actual full on nipple once. Three times. Three times. Three? And we get glimpses of two asses. Yeah, during the party scene. The first thing you see when you come in is someone bouncing on the trampoline. One of them has is like wearing a full onesie pajama, but her ass is out. And yeah. later on, you get into the shower. Everybody in the shower, except for the our main cast, are showing nipple. And then as it goes on, I think there's another girl who also shows nipple. But it only counts if you show a nipple. Uh, I think I just didn't care enough about the tits to really. <laughs> you were too busy looking at Claire's boyfriend. You're like, what well, is he, you know what has he got here? Because when I think of showing titty, like TNA for horror movies, I think of um, PJ Souls and Halloween, where it's just like a, mm. a reveal, you know, like full on on the screen. So when like it's in passing, like in the shower scene, I don't really notice unless it's peeing. We cut to Chugs meeting up with her drug dealer, Dr. Rosenberg. She wanders into the big empty house. She immediately finds the booze and helps herself to a bottle of wine. She chugs the wine as she wanders the home, calling out for Dr. Rosenberg. 
She finds him in the bedroom handcuffed to the bed. She offers to help. He says she can unlock the cuffs or finish what the other patient started. He wins her over by offering her prescription drugs. Chugs heads to the bathroom to clean herself up. While the doctor waits, he hears someone else in the home. The music that was playing turns off. He panics and reaches for the key to unlock himself. He snags the keys and unlocks himself just in time to see a hooded figure throw a tire iron straight through his head, killing him instantly. Back in the bathroom, Chugs is leaving Jessica a voicemail letting her know she won't make it until the party starts, stating that Dr. Rosenberg is really making her work for the pills this time. After she's done with her call, she makes her way back out into the bedroom to find an empty bed. She makes her way back to the living room and lies down on the ottoman and continues to drink her bottle of wine. As she takes a swig, the hooded killer quickly approaches her and slams the bottle down into her throat. The wine begins to gurgle into her esophagus. The killer uses the tire iron to slam the bottle further into her throat two more times. Finally, Chugs meets her demise the same way she lived her life, drunk and her mouth gaped wide open. So right off the bat, I know, I know, I know, this is hypocritical. I cannot just like pick and choose what I do and don't like out of like a super problematic movie like this, but this is the ickiest part for me. And that is including like all the other things that this movie has that's so icky, uh, like sexual assault, drugging people, uh, uh, homophobia, racism, uh, elitism. Just to name a few. Just to name a few, but having a therapist that bargains with its clients for sex is the grossest thing on the planet for me. Oh my God. That is, I mean, it is what it is. It's a storyline. It's how she gets her drugs apparently for her and her sisters. She's doing it for her sisters. Sisters forever. Solidarity and (laughs) secrecy. secrecy. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But I, 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 I didn't I was blindsided, y'all. This is my first go-around of this movie. So I thought, you know, she was immediately just going to get off. So when she rounds the corner and there's this purevert handcuffed to his bed, I was like, okay, this is her therapist, I'm assuming. And then we get this whole beat where he, like like you said, essentially like coerces her into having sex with him in exchange for drugs. So she goes into the restroom to prep herself, and that's when the killer enters the room. Killer enters the chat room. This is the first time that we actually get like a glimpse of him, right? This is like the first time we see like the hooded figure. Mm-hmm, I believe so. Yes. So yeah, this is the first time we get a glimpse of the killer. Ooh, in a hooded mm-hmm. cloak. Ooh, but we get the sickest weapon for me in an early 2000s remake. I love the design of this tire iron. I think it is so neat. I wish we got more of it because the tire iron Honestly. has been souped up because it's the weapon that killed Megan. Ooh, ooh, terrifying. Mm-hmm. But it's souped up to have like uh, like a full-on ghost like face. A knife. Knife, yeah, like uh-huh. a, a hunting knife. There's like an arrow on it. Um, oh, there's yeah. a whole... There's a whole bunch of different, like, fucked up designs on it, and it's used and thrown. I love it. It's so cheesy and delicious. First of all, that killer has to have, like, Amazing they, they work out. Well, they work out to th- throw that thing. That thing's made of metal. Those things are heavy. And Ten then... bucks, it's because he plays froth. Yeah! college. <laughs> I'm also curious as to how they modified this, like, or is, is the killer a welder? Did they take this to a blacksmith You're and get these too much knives and arrows attached to it? I understand. I'm just, you know, how did this come about? It's um, the dedication that, no, I'm, honestly. that I'm obsessed <laughs> with. <laughs> uh, also, I 
wasn't sure how I was going to feel about the, what's the word I'm looking for? The costume, I guess, of, mm-hmm. of the killer. They're essentially just wearing a graduation gown with like a, a hood with like a mask thing over it. It almost looks, it gives me um, Urban Legends vibes. I also get I know what you did last summer. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm when the silhouette. I also get parts of Ghostface. This, this movie. Yeah. It's, it's like just an amalgamation. Yes. Yes. Uh, which is both, I guess, a joke within it itself. I don't know. I know this movie takes itself too seriously to think that it's being meta <laughs> to do these yeah. things. So I'm not going to give it credit. I really dig it. Uh, we get the death of the therapist. Thank God. Somebody like that Rightfully did deserve so. to die. Right? <laughs> Uh, but we get Chugs talking to herself in the mirror, and we get the line, Cheers, slut. Oh, wow. <laughs> Give it to me, Chugs. I mean, that's how we cheers each other. <laughs> exactly. That's exactly. That's actually how we do call each other. What's up, slut? Hey, slut-faced hobag. How do you feel about Chugs's <sighs> demise? I was gobsmacked. Gagged. Gooped, <laughs> bitch. Me and Richard watched, this was both of our first watches together. We watched this together, first time ever watching it. And the therapist's death is cool. It's quick, it's to the point. This was so fucking creative and horrendous and realistic and fierce. Oh, it got a visceral reaction out of me. This like, oh. So she's laying back on the therapist's, you know, bed couch thing, and she's swigging on her wine bottle, which is very chic, by the way. The design of this wine bottle. Is it meant to, is it like a wine cooler? Is it meant to be drunk straight out of the bottle, or is she just being an alcoholic? I think she's just straight, she's just straight to the dome. She's like, don't worry about a cup. Yeah. Okay. Um, So anyway, she's taking swigs out of this very sleek bottle, by the way. And, oh, the killer comes out of nowhere. He comes out of nowhere and just slams that bottle down her throat further than she's ever taken a dick and then as it gurgles (laughs) he slams it down even harder oh my god and then the blood begins to gurgle up and mix in with the wine and then it all eventually she just takes it down to the dome like a true champ it's insane it is insane what a terrific death to catch your attention it's gonna play with the motif though that continues for every last one of these girls and i think it's kind of fun um but i whew, i just have to say as a first time watch wow even in mm-hmm. 2022 have i not seen a creative kill like that that was fantastic we cut to jessica who's at lunch with her boyfriend kyle and his dad senator tyson senator tyson has purposefully scheduled jessica to come earlier than his son so he can be frank with her He essentially tells her that he's not sure he can depend on someone like her, especially since he'll be running for vice president soon. She assures him that he has nothing to worry about. We cut back to Theta Pi House where preparations for the night's festivities continues. Cassidy expresses concern for Ellie's well-being while Jessica expresses a desire for a hot shower. We join Claire in the shower. Just as she leaves her stall, she's jump scared by a fellow sister who comments on her pubic hair. Jessica joins in on the bathroom fun and forces the underclassman to walk back to her side of the dorm naked. This prompts another underclassman to stay hidden in her stall, which also gives her a ringside seat to a private conversation between Claire and Jessica in which they confess to murdering Megan. The girls leave the bathroom leaving behind a nameless freshman. She attempts to leave but is quickly taken out by the killer with their altered tire iron. 
this is like the one instance where I'm like, we could have cut this scene, but I also kind of like this scene. I like seeing <laughs> Jessica sweat, seeing this like uber HBIC go into a dinner that she thought she already had won and have her dad strike fear in here is yes. interesting. It is interesting, but we don't need it. It doesn't really move. No, it does not move <laughs> the story. Uh, essentially, other than kind of just put more pressure on Jessica to keep this whole thing under wraps. Yeah. I, I mean, murder also, everyone getting murdered also might help someone do that too, but like, this is cool. <laughs> <laughs> she cares about herself and herself only. Uh, I think the line, uh, you're a spirited girl. Thank you, sir. I didn't mean that as a compliment. <laughs> <laughs> Also, why does she dress like she's 47? This dark navy blue ruffly thing with like with the, the chunky silver pearls, yeah, no. and the headband with the hair back. Yeah. I mean, I guess she was meeting a senator, so don't even. This time period for some reason, club outfits was like business casual attire. <laughs> Like with headbands, <laughs> with headbands. Like, don't even. You're right. That was you're right. the hot look. <laughs> you're right, girl. You're right. Back at Theta Pi, we're just setting up for the night. We're getting ready. Claire decides after just having public sex in a hot tub with her boyfriend, decides to go take a shower. I love it. Yeah, you gotta rinse off that chlorine and all the hot body Cum stains. Ah! I wasn't gonna get into specifics, but yeah, damn, girl. <laughs> She decides to go take a shower, and I'm not going to lie, I think this interaction is fucking hilarious. It is so damn good and mean girl-spirited to me. Oh, 100%. Are you talking about... Well, I mean, all the exchanges are, because this exchange with the underclassmen is fucking hilarious. And the fact that she tells her to strip is hilarious. I didn't know the shower was occupado. FYI, waxing isn't just for floors anymore. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. First of all, body shaming. It's early, it's 2009. But we get Jessica being surprisingly Jessica's version of being nice after she just had that interaction with the senator defends Claire and tells her tells the underclassmen to kick kick rock sis, but go back Go back naked. And I love the underclassmen's reaction of, Fine, but if you wanted to see perfect tits, all you had to do was ask. Yeah. <laughs> she, just... she reveals those perfect tits. Those are some nice titties. She's not lying. But we have another secret underclassman hiding in the showers because she does not want to have to walk back to her dorm naked. And I would sh- I would have stayed hidden too. I would have too, especially since you're getting all of this juicy tea. I love anytime someone has a deep, dark secret. They're just so open with where how they speak about this deep, dark secret. <laughs> in the public shower, in a communal shower. Sure, let's have this very private conversation. But even Jessica and Clara are still fi- fighting because there's a moment of, like, distress. It's my favorite part about, like, whodunits. That's why I also, like, I still know, I know what you did last summer. Mm-hmm. Because there's always, like, characters fighting against each other. And we get a great line of, Claire, I've always had your back. Yeah but you've never had a backbone. Uh, ah! Yes. <laughs> yes. Yes. That was a solid, solid line. She's not wrong. <laughs> She's not wrong. She <laughs> is not wrong. This, this for me is what makes mo- the movie is these moments, which sucks because there's so much like baggage with the rest of this movie. But we get a really cool kill out of it. We do get a nice little kill out of it. How do you feel about this kill? Which side does she get of the tire iron? Do you remember? 
knife. I don't. She gets the arrow. She gets a blunt object. Well, it wasn't in her mouth, so I wouldn't. I wouldn't get. Okay, okay. We can so talk about it. So what's this movie's fascination with putting things in this female's mouths? We can go to one of two routes. We could do, of course, the obvious joke of like, oh, <laughs> we're putting things in their mouth. But I think what they're trying to do is that no one is able to keep secrets or in this movie. So how do you shut up a person who can't tell secrets? Shove mm-hmm. something in their mouth, a dick. Shove something in their mouth, like a dick. That's how I keep quiet. Okay. Uh, okay. Okay. I, I, yeah. I, I guess it works both ways. It's a wink, wink, mm-hmm. nudge, nudge. Okay. I just, for, I, it really can, especially for the time period, can really be construed as, you know, this was written, directed by men, and they're being pervy and disgusting. And it's probably, it's probably that, but I'm, I'm guessing, like, the artistic direction they're trying to go for is that no one can keep secrets, because this, everybody will die through their mouth somewhere she perform. I don't know, that's how I want to go out. Girl, we're trying. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> Uh, but she gets taken out super quick. Doesn't even have a name. But she does flash some boobage. Classic horror trope. We love it. We love to see yeah? it. Yeah. I mean, it's you gotta evolving. see titties. We need TNA. We join Ellie in Freddy Krueger's boiler room as she looks for vodka. Her flashlight inevitably goes out, so she uses the weak light from her flip phone. She finally reaches the end, and when she turns on the light, she discovers Cassidy's bloody jacket. The one they wrapped Megan in before dumping her body. She retreats in terror and bumps into Kyle. She asks, what is he doing down there? And he says that he's looking for her. That Cassidy said she might need some help. We join the girls back in Jessica's room as they all freak out over Ellie's discovery. They try to convince Ellie that it's Jess Garrett and confess about his picture message. Ellie is still distraught. Jessica takes charge and tells everyone to suck it up, that they need to attend this very important kegger. We finally join this epic final kegger at Theta Pi. We meet Claire and her boyfriend, Mickey, grinding on the dance floor. She accuses him of not being able to read the situation. He exclaims that it's the last night of college and he can get action from any girl at the party. Claire rips his class ring off her neck and throws it at him, and he quickly composes himself and starts dancing with another girl. He eventually makes his way outside and attempts to make a move on Ellie. When that proves fruitless, he makes his way to some freshman girls who are trying to sneak into the party. He offers them wristbands in exchange for a flash. Their exchange is interrupted by the killer. He doesn't kill just yet, but the girls manage to make a getaway. Ellie watches from the window above, and Mickey begs for her not to tell Claire about what she's seen. Rumor Willis acting, I don't know. I don't... Acting where? It... Screaming. She can scream. She can can scream. scream. We've stated that she can scream. End of sentence. Well, she tried. At least, you know, she... End of sentence. Because when she finds the ticket, she screams. She screams, and she doesn't stop screaming for literally the rest of the movie. Uh, she I mean, goes we always need a good scream in a slasher movie, so... This is true. She goes upstairs to explain the things happening to the girls. They're all Girls all finally fucking finally figure out that something not, is not right here. Oh, mm-hmm. I got a descriptive me- message. Oh, we can't hear from Chugs. We get the girls get all grouping back together. They d- finally figure out that, oh my god, I think someone might be killing us. And they try reaching Chugs, and we get the message that is just so reminiscent of the early 2000s. <laughs> Hi, it's Chugs. Leave a message after the... (laughs) It's very Homer Simpson. It's very Homer Simpson. It's very much like a... Hi. Psych. Leave a message after the tone. I hated those. I absolutely had one. I absolutely had one. If you still have that as your voicemail, please, you know, stab yourself with the lead pencil and then change it. I can't say anything because I still... Look. I still have the lead pencil that some girl stabbed in me when I was in the third grade. 
It makes for an excellent weapon on a whim. It's a part of me now. <laughs> we are one. <laughs> we are <laughs> We then cut to the party as Claire and her boyfriend break up. Forgot that they were dating. Whatever. Uh, they break up and he immediately... Why? Because Claire's a big slut? No, because he's boring and he's barely a character. <laughs> yeah, I mean, right? He, she should have broken up with him. I just have to know. This movie is a ton of partying. It's all partying shots. Not a single person is on beat. Not a single person is on beat. I know that when you film, there's no music playing. So yeah. you just have to pretend to mm-hmm. move. Whatever song they all gave each other, completely different. Someone's dancing to <laughs> Sharon in their head. Someone else is dancing to like, I don't know. Abba. I don't know. So, yes, absolutely. Dancing Queen is playing in their head. What can I tell you? It was 2009. They were white people. It's, it's It happened. I Honestly, I, I didn't pay enough attention to the background people. <laughs> and then he decides to go hit on Ellie. And Ellie decides to give us a red herring moment. Of Mickey, if you touch me again, I'll fucking kill you. What did he say? And then she goes away to cry so hard. <laughs> and scream. <laughs> so when she runs away screaming, these he sees these girls trying to sneak in or whatever. They're trying to get a peek over the fence. And so he's like, hey, if you want to sneak in. They're trying to go up the scaffolding. Right. He's like, I got these extra wristbands for you. Scaffolding. Oh, my God. I forgot. The East Wing is under renovations. So they go behind the scaffolding to get a little TNA. And before he can get any tea, the killer, like, flashes by, drags him outside, essentially, by being a weirdo. And then the girls are like, decide, decide. They're like, no, 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 this is creepy. We don't want in on this. The line is, hey, we're going to pass. It's not worth it. And you're not hot either. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, the read. I mean, they're not wrong. They're not. He's not worth it. He's not worth it. And neither's the party, to be honest. This party, I would be so bored. This is not my scene. Mm -mm. This is not my scene. Mm -mm. You know how we feel about organized religion? Back in the house, Cassidy and Claire have a heart-to-heart about how Cassidy has grown as a person since the incident. Right. We join Mickey on the east wing of the house that's <laughs> under renovation. As he searches for Ellie, the killer takes him down with a 2 by 4 to his shin, breaking his leg upon impact. The killer comes out from the shadows and we get a full reveal of the altered tire iron. Each side has been replaced with a different weapon. Mickey attempts to scream for help, but everyone is too drunk and loud to take it seriously. He runs over to the laundry chute as she begins to slide down. The killer launches his weapon, piercing through the vent, stopping Mickey from sliding down any further. The killer walks over to the vent and turns the weapon to the side with the knife and stabs Mickey in the throat. The killer leaves and it's revealed that Ellie was watching from the shadows. She runs screaming as she always does, alerting the party and her sisters, and they meet up in private. Ellie is too distraught to even form a sentence. All she says is that he was wearing a graduation gown. The sisters decide to see for themselves and they drag Ellie along. When they get to the east wing, Ellie refuses to go any further. Claire stays behind with her while Jessica and Cassidy continue. They find Mickey's legs and feet hanging out from the chute and Jessica identifies his body from his hideous choice in shoes. The girls are interrupted by another message, this time a video from Megan's phone. 
the video she recorded on the night she was murdered. They also receive a message requesting that they meet the killer where they killed Megan and that he's sending the video to the police in 20 minutes. Jessica tells her to tell the girls to meet her out front while she brings her on her car. She does so quickly before running off to tell Andy to go ahead to his parents without her, that she will explain everything tomorrow. I, my note was Jackie is Jessica. Sorry. <gasps> I'm okay with that. I don't remember what the line was. <sighs> I'm slightly offended, possibly. Classity and Claire are crying in the mirror and putting on makeup. That's it. You're welcome. Moving yeah. on. <laughs> and not very well. But we shoot right back to Mickey. This is where we're finally getting some more action. Mm-hmm. And Mickey is just quickly taken out with a two by four to the kneecap. And we get a delicious. <laughs> it is ooh. sick. They're but brutal. The deaths in this movie are pretty brutal. I, yeah, I will give it that. It gives brutal slash creative deaths that, ooh, they really do, like, crack his shit. It's horrendous. Mm-hmm. And he, like, whimpers on over to the vent. And <laughs> like, that's a choice. And tries to, like, slide down the laundry chute. And the killer just, like, <laughs> launches that tire iron, pierces through the wall into the vent. And so, like, it essentially, like, stops him, like, a Augustus in Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. Can't go any further. Oh. And then he, cl- like, slowly saunters over to the vent, turns the weapon on its side, slowly pierces through the vent, and then into Mickey's neck. And then he just, like, chokes his own blood. Could that happen? Could you slice a knife like that in there? I don't know. I feel like I mean, that... I know I gotta suspend a lot of belief, but... I feel like there's at least a solid, like, another supporting beam in there. There's some drywall, and then you would right. eventually get to the vent. I mean, you know... Hello, we. this girl just got a wine bottle slammed down her throat. True. You know what? I can't say much. And so, look, another mouth-throat thing. Like, oh, secrets. Mickey, though... Mickey killed me, especially when he's trying to get the attention of the party goers. And he's just like, help me, help. Everyone downstairs <laughs> who's partying is like, man, yeah. that guy's fucked up. <laughs> <laughs> totally what happened at a kegger. Totally. Absolutely. I-, I think this kill is fine. I wish Mickey caught and I got like, more like a, a better kill. kill. You know what I want? Like a, not so much a better kill. Like something actually in his mouth. Yeah. Put it in his mouth. Yeah. Like a dildo mouth. maybe. Uh, Ellie screams, disturbs the whole party. Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> warns everybody, like, hello, something's going on here. We killed somebody. It's, it, she's too fucking much. I can't also deal with her, like, not being able to get out, like, what she's trying to say. It's, uh, it goes on too long. Girl, how many murders have you seen by now? You should be able to tell, girl, what you've seen. Um, but what I would suggest that you do is keep your wig on uh, but the girls tried to just double pr- like we just got to make sure we just got to make sure somebody's dead i love when jessica and cassidy yes. are fighting because they're going down this hallway by themselves having to discover this body and as they're going they're just like reading each other and jessica fuck man jessica's reads you know cassidy when you're sarcastic like that it really makes you sound like a bitch and nobody likes a bitch <laughs> yes Yes, this is probably Jessica. the point where you said that I was Jessica. <laughs> that is exactly where I wrote down Jackie is Jessica, for sure. Because you can read and you're fast and you're just like straight to the throat. And that's how Jessica is. It's fucking great. Even Mickey, with him being dead and they find the body, she's like, it's Mickey. I would know those ugly ass shoes anywhere. <laughs> no one is immune. No Even one is in safe. death. Even in death, she's coming after you. This shit kills me. I think it's why 
you love this movie so much. It really is a melding of like Mean Girls meets Friday the Thirteenth meets, meets Scream Queens meets, meets I know like, what you did last summer meets Scream. Mm-hmm. It's just a delightful little campy little bow with some really fucked up rapping. You know it's what a, I mean? It's a wink wink nudge nudge with the nudge nudge being with a knife. <laughs> We then get another text message, another text message, and Jessica. We can't let Ellie see this. Ah! <laughs> I love that shit. It was <laughs> too late, bitch. <laughs> so... And then the, the only thing that I found weird was the twenty-minute timeline. Like I guess, of having I guess, to get. Yeah, I guess they wanted to like put some stake, you know, like put something at stake rush the girls but i was like why, why was there a 20 minute timeline they could have just said like oh meet me here or else i'm gonna send this to the police i don't know i don't <laughs> care i don't care i really don't care because the next interaction is just give me the mean girl moments if this movie could have just reveled in that and tried to be more camp aesthetic in terms of like jawbreaker and mean mm. girls i feel like it would have completely won me over even with its really nasty bits the parts that i don't like if it fully leaned in to that part the go the glorious parts would have always been there for me you know what i mean yes i agree i kind of wish we could have reveled in those moments a little more just because it really brings some delicious like campiness to the movie and it's kind of where these actors shine when they're, like, interacting with each mm-hmm. other in that way. Uh, I can at least tell that they enjoyed working with each other. <laughs> the girls barrel down the road, trying to make it to the abandoned mine in time. Jessica is driving so fast, she nearly hits Maggie, standing in the road. Jessica gets out of the car to face Maggie, and Maggie tells her that Megan hated her, and that she needs to fix her hair before walking oh. away. Jessica, even more outraged, speeds to the mines. When they finally arrive, they're jump-scared by Garrett, but he's distraught and holding the other half of Cassidy's coat. He approaches a girl, his hands bloody and holding a broken piece of glass. Jessica floors it and hits him with her car and then backs up and finishes him off. The girls check his pockets and discover he was sent the same messages from Megan's phone. He's not the killer. They head back over to the mineshaft, opening it and lowering Cassidy down. The old rusty chains can't support her weight and break halfway down. Cassidy hits the floor of the mine with a thud. She dusts herself off and searches her surroundings. As she makes her way around, she discovers writing on the wall, Theta Pi must die. We cut to black. As they drive further... Anyone have any weapons? Yeah, there's a chainsaw in the glove box. (laughs) (laughs) Come on, Kevin Williamson, writing! Thank you. Thank you. Was there a secret gay ghostwriter? There had to have been at some point in time, right? There was at least a queer in the room. I hope so. Understand the subplot of having Megan's sister be involved in some way, shape, or form. Because it is... It, it, that's it. That's it. Red herring. Red it's herring. Just, she's just a red herring. Because Ellie becomes a red herring. He's a red... She's a red herring. Everyone's a red herring. Uh, I think Mickey was supposed to be a red herring. Yeah, but they're not red herrings enough. Does that make sense? No, Yo, it makes total sense. <laughs> yeah, I agree. They really tried to, like... It was very Scream 2 where everybody was a red herring. Everybody got a red herring scene. But I agree. It wasn't... They didn't push it enough for each character to actually make it feel like a red herring. Everybody just kind of got, right? like... A yui, a pull out, a push in, ow, you know, uh, something of the nature. <laughs> <laughs> it really, it really wasn't the lines though. But 
Yeah, uh, thank you. Read them. These I know you wrote them reads, down. Uh, these reads. Oh, by the way, my sister hated you. Peace. You know what? I'm going to deal with you later. You might want to deal with your hair because it looks like shit. <laughs> and then Ellie's response of, She would have been a great Theta. <laughs> these quippy little lines are fantastic. I love it in a slasher. It's Jessica's flabbergasted, unable to respond that this freshman just read her. Thank you. That was the part that she was most offended by. She's not even a freshman yet, bitch. She's still a senior in high school. She got read down the house down boots by a senior in high school. Not only that, it's the sister of the person that she helped cover up her murder. It's deserved. Rightfully so. It's what she deserves. It's rightfully, it's what she deserves. We make it to the the original death site and Garrett gives a jump scare. Another red herring Mm -hmm. of of Gary Giggles (laughs) being in the (laughs) You're going to have to find a sound bite. I hope, I hope people understand that reference. But the biggest thing to get away from this is that he's a red herring, but he's also a chaotic red herring and mm-hmm. probably would have killed these girls with the that's kind of red herring ex- probably <laughs> would have killed these girls and jessica double taps we'll talk about it we'll talk about it again yes bitch this is why okay i you know what i fully embrace it i am jessica she is me mm-hmm. and she does what i preach every time you have to double tap and bitch she does so flawlessly and even though she killed the wrong person she still double tap. She still didn't care. She's like, oh. <laughs> he was too chaotic. They had to take him out. He was gonna reveal their secret. He that he was a he was a loose end that death was a little too loose. Yeah. Uh, we get Cassidy thrown into the ring well, and Samara <laughs> pops forward. <laughs> <laughs> I wish. There's really not much to take away from this. You know that Megan's body's not gonna be there. You know that the tire is not gonna like. They're discovering things that uh, me as you an already know. I already know, and I don't care. I feel like this is such a detour. This is such a detour. I love this little reveal of the writing on the wall of Theta Pi must die. That's sick. I love that tagline. It is a very good tagline. I agree this is kind of a detour and kind of just draws our movie out even longer because I agree this movie's a little too long. But I love this little campy, sticky reveal. You need to, like... You have to play up the shtick of this uh, sorority culture. What's it called? Greek culture. And this is totally that. They're leaning into it here, and I love it. It just bugged me that the killer would have left a trail. Like, if you got rid of the body, moved it along, you're still going to leave the fact... Well, whose blood was that that you wrote it in? Megan's. Megan has been dried up forever. She was dried up before she died. Oh, oh my <laughs> God. Even in death, you're still coming for these people. Jessica, what can I say? All four girls have returned to a now empty Theta Pi house, the house in ruins after their epic kegger. Jessica says she's going to check on Kyle, pack her shit, and never look back. Claire heads over to shut off the overheating jacuzzi armed with a flare gun while the others head inside. Claire makes her way through the foamy pit of chlamydia following an extension cord. Back in the house, the trio get a text message from Chug stating that she won't be able to make it to the party because she's dead. Cassidy asks why the text message didn't include Claire when Claire is screaming for help at the window. She's dragged back into the phone by the extension cord wrapped around her ankle. Cassidy eventually makes her way outside and hears Claire struggle. When she finally finds Claire in the phone, she's been shot in the mouth with a flare gun. Cassidy runs back inside and barricades herself with Jessica and Ellie. 
Jessica runs upstairs to check on Kyle, and when she does, she finds Maggie in her bed, stating that she just hooked up with Kyle. She did so just to get revenge on Jessica for sleeping with Megan's boyfriend. This starts an all-out brawl between the two until Cassidy breaks it up. Jessica arms herself with the fire axe as they wait in anticipation of whoever is making their way upstairs. The perpetrator rounds the corner and Jessica takes a swing and misses. Mrs. Crenshaw pistol whips her. She states that she saw what they did, which leads Jessica to confess to the murder of Megan. This prompts Maggie to attack Jessica and Mrs. Crenshaw shoots off a warning round to get everyone to shut up. Jessica admits to telling Kyle about the murder, but that they don't know where he is now. Mrs. Crenshaw instructs all of them to wait in Jessica's room and call the police. She continues to search the house and we hear a shot go off. This prompts Maggie to run out and see if her sister is alive or dead. She's dead. Anyway, <laughs> we come back to the Theta house completely trashed. The, every person at this university is horrendous. All of them are pigs. All of them are nasty. I would never want to go to this school. I'm just going to say that right now. Like, this sounds like hell to me. It's the Greek culture. It's horrendous. It's toxic. <sighs> and the fact that nobody turned off the fucking jacuzzi. Really, guys? <laughs> really? <laughs> <laughs> That's what you're upset about? Asshole. Th- whatever. It's just common decency. Anyway. <laughs> it, that was chlamydia, girl. Go get a shot. Uh, this is why I don't go to phone parties. If you go to phone parties, you are gambling. You are gambling with your a uh, pink eye. And don't you dare. Don't you dare get in that jacuzzi. But as they go forward, Claire's like, I'll get, I'll deal with the jacuzzi. Why now? Well, because it's the end of the night. You know, they sure. think that they think that they've solved everything. So it's time to like try and put the house back together. Let's, you know, it's graduation. This is behind us now. Let's clean up and go I'm home. done with this. Yeah. But whatever, I would have left. I would have been on Jessica and being like, fuck that. I don't know you shit and leaving. True. But Jessica even states when she gets into the house, is someone going to get the music or do I have to do everything myself? <laughs> and then she, I forgot what was playing. I don't know. Some, tr- probably some Euro trash. <laughs> the music. <laughs> we would not discuss the music in this movie. This is another movie that really is a time capsule. Fas- the fashion, the music, um, the witty writing it's very much a time capsule oh absolutely but yeah uh claire gets it with the with her flare gun her own weapon yeah we get a little chase sequence with her in the foam and her getting pulled i actually kind of like the build up i do mm-hmm. think the foam is a neat little trick mm-hmm. i love her getting dragged into the foam it's very ominous and scary it's a nice shot it is a great shot and then she's shot in the mouth with the flare gun it's still going as she lays in the ground Ooh. Uh-huh. I don't believe that it would have killed no, her, it though. Wouldn't. Yeah. No. It would have, you know, injured her greatly. Yeah. Horrifically scarred her for life and never been the same. She would have lived, though. What the fuck does that mean? Yeah, she probably would have lived. Um, it's a <laughs> she would have lived a miserable life, but she would have lived. But she would have, she would have been fine. It, but it takes them too long to unlock the door to go get her. It that takes was a fire hazard. There was tables, there was chairs, there was a keg, the, speaker, the windows were locked, it was wrapped with a chain. That was a fire hazard waiting to happen, and Claire died because of it. Quasa warned you, and this is what you get. Where was the fire marshal? However, I will note that Cassidy does get a cane, and the cane is a replica a of the cane used to that uh, house on sorority row. So there you go. Ding! Who said we didn't have behind the scenes on this one? Jessica makes her way back upstairs, trying to find Kyle, of course, but who does she find instead? Maggie! Getting revenge for her dead sis. What the fuck is up, Jessica? Post What is up, Jessica? 
your thoughts <laughs> on this storyline? Um, I'm in it for the drama. I it feels a little out of place in a slasher TBH, but uh, I mean, look, they're really trying to sell you this like kind of bitchy catty girl thing, sorority sisters, solidarity, you know, sticking together and holding secrets. So it to me, like of course they would add this in for Megan. You know, justice for Megan, justice for Audrina. Wow. R.I.P. for our Audrina. Sure, I don't mind it. I mean, it involves Maggie back into the storyline. I know that's what they're trying to do and make her more of a red herring. Oh yeah, keep her as a red herring. It really doesn't do much for me. I think it's funny that they go into a cat fight. Sure. What I am here for, Mrs. Crenshaw. Yeah. Mrs. Motherfucking Crenshaw. Anytime we get her on this. Come screen. through, Carrie Fisher. Every time. I love Jessica getting the axe. Finally, someone smart enough to get another weapon. Thank you. Pops her, pistol whips her ass. Oh, hey, Miss Christian, it's me, Jessica. I know. You've had that coming for years. <laughs> yeah, she fucking did. Yeah, she fucking did, Mrs. Crenshaw. She's like, that's what she's like. You are officially not a student here anymore. You are not renting for me anymore. I'm going to molly whop your ass. <laughs> but she directs them. She's very Laurie Strode if she become were to become a den mother. But I love the line. Well, he, she, or it is going to get two rounds to the face. Although I don't see her reload until the very end. And she pops oh, off no. a good like 16 rounds. Yeah, she does. You know, whatever. It's okay. It's I'm fine. It's fine. Because they tried to attempt to call the police and Ellie... Ellie, everybody, I'm sorry. I don't, I don't know where my phone is right now. It's kind of been a crazy day. There's just a <laughs> lot going on. Can you give me a minute? Can I have a moment, please? Yeah, I feel very attacked. Relax. Yeah, I, I can totally relate to Ellie in this moment. Don't ask me anything. Nothing. Don't even fucking look at me. I love all of this. We get the shotgun. Maggie, for some reason, goes out because she thinks it's her sister. Oh, yeah. Maggie and everybody else finds out that the girls killed Megan and that Jessica cannot keep a secret, which explains a lot as to why she's feeling tension with everybody else in the house and her uh -huh. soon-to-be father-in-law, hopefully father-in-law, and uh -huh. her boyfriend. So her boyfriend's a dick. Yeah, he is. But, I mean, so is she. Yeah, Mia. They both are. Huge and so dick. is Senator. You know what? You're right. <laughs> Do you think all white people are dicks? <gasps> we made a discovery. I think I think white people are bad. <laughs> oh, maybe she got her. Oh no. Don't go out there, Maggie. <laughs> <laughs> I love that part. Here stay stay for the cattiness, endure the horrible stuff. You know what yeah, I mean? Essentially. We cut to Mrs. Crenshaw in the kitchen. She catches a glimpse of the killer and fires off for several rounds. As she rounds the corner, the killer throws his weapon at her, just missing her, but getting stuck in the fridge door. As she struggles to reload her shotgun, the killer quickly closes in on her and uses the kitchen table to push her into the weapon still stuck in the door. With her last words, she tells him, Not to touch my girls. We join Maggie in the living room, still convinced her dead sister is still alive and killing everyone. When she finds the killer, she quickly realizes it's not Megan, when the killer throws a Molotov cocktail at her. Back upstairs, Cassidy and Jessica have decided to search for Mickey's phone to call the police, while Ellie stays behind to hide in the closet. When they reach the attic, they're approached by Kyle, wearing a graduation gown and no pants. 
Jessica accuses him of sleeping with Maggie and starts a fight with him. Meanwhile, Cassidy is able to grab Mickey's phone from his corpse. Kyle knocks down Jessica and fights Cassidy for the cell phone, stating that none of this can get out. Just then, Jessica hits him with the axe. Cassidy makes a run for it while Kyle sets his aim on Jessica, only for Cassidy to return with a fire extinguisher to hit him with. The two make a run for it, but their location is given away by beeps from their cell phone. They run to another room and barricade themselves inside. Kyle still manages to break his way inside and knocking Jessica out in the process. He storms in and pins Cassidy to the wall, stating that they all need to get their story straight. When Andy whacks him in the back of the head with an axe. And Miss Crenshaw. <sighs> Miss Crenshaw. She meets her demise in a kind of lackluster way, to be honest. Very I feel lackluster. Like she deserved better. She really did deserve better. All she does is get backed into by the weapon, which, by the way, does that mean that Andy pulls her back off and then gets the, the no, iron? No, she, she had kind of stepped forward to reload her shotgun, and as she's struggling, uh-huh. and I'm assuming she like kind of shifted over, and then that's when uh-huh. he shoves the table into her, pushing her back to the tire iron. And I'm asking, does he then pull her off and then take the tire iron to reuse it? Because he gets it later. Yeah, he's got to clean it off, too, because when we use it again, it's clean. It's very ghost face. He was downstairs, so he ran it through the dishwasher. He had time. We get the death of Mr. Crenshaw. It's very lackluster. I wanted more from a Carrie Fisher death. You know what I, I mean? Expect it's better. I expected better from Miss Carrie Fisher. But like I said, this feels very much, they had her for like maybe two to three days. <laughs> and this is what they were able to film in that time. She was the most expensive cast member. I guarantee it. Then we're now joining Maggie. I don't care about Maggie, but the fact that we're now following her and then she gets attacked by the killer. Cool. I guess. Like, I don't, fun. But mm-hmm. we then start getting the house catching on fire and then it ups the, and it ups the ante some more. I'm so yes, I love chaotic endings. This is becoming a fun and like finale. Yes. We then get Kyle, who's pantsless. I just wish we could have gotten like a butt shot. We got so much boobage. At least like a little undercheek. Thank you. A little, a little tan. Something. Something. Jesus, throw me a fucking bone here. What do I have to do to get some goddamn recognition around here? <laughs> <laughs> uh, so he's out there red herring, uh, but. Why is he still wearing the graduation? I mean, I guess it's just for the fact that he's a, a red herring, but he's still wearing the graduation gown. I guess that's his key. Was he f***ing in the graduation I gown? I think so. I think he wanted to f*** Maggie in his graduation gown. I wouldn't be surprised if he asked her to put a, a pinky in his butt, too. That's kind of hot, though. Um, <laughs> so he's coming through. He's trying to keep everything under wraps. That's his motive. He's trying not to let this shit get out because otherwise his dad's going to kill him. And there goes his trust fund. Oh, oh no, daddy's cutting me off. It can't happen. It just seems like every guy in this movie is a piece of shit. Pieces of shits and have murdering tendencies. Like Kyle was way too quick to start trying to, to, to like hurt these girls. Garrett was ready to, to to murder these girls. We later find out that Andy is killing all killing all of these girls. Don't trust men. And I, oh. Well, let's let's. What's the running theme here? White cisgender waspy males with daddy issues. You be the judge. Oh, Jesus. Gross. We get a scuffle between Jessica and Kyle. Cassidy comes back. It's fine. Like, I don't mind. What I like the most is that Andy whacks this motherfucker in the back, whale, with an axe. And it's deliciously bloody. Yeah, sorry. It took me. I was like, who the fuck is Andy? I forgot. It's been a minute. everybody, Everybody forgets Andy. Oh, because you know why he... So we didn't... I didn't write it in because to me, it didn't really do much for the story. But 
Andy and Cassidy have this like pin me kind of thing on the location cell phone. tracker. Yeah, thing. and so Cassidy thought he went to the lake house because his location was like eighty three miles away. All of a sudden, he's there to save her. Ta-na-na. More Jessica lines. Sorry, everybody, get over it. When the house is on fire. Okay. Who the hell let the house on fire? <laughs> <laughs> okay, as if my day wasn't bad enough. Who the fuck let the house on fire? It's been a crazy day, okay? Someone shit in the locker. <laughs> <laughs> What's even better is they find Megan's body. They discover where the disappearing Megan's body went. Is it's been hidden inside of the now east wing that's under construction, and they mm-hmm. find it in a shower. They reveal, they pull back the shower curtain. <gasps> oh my god, it's Megan! Oh god, she looks terrible. <laughs> <laughs> they didn't have to do that. Yes, they did. Yes, oh they did. Oh my god. Jessica comes to and gets up to find Cassidy hugging Andy. She stares in horror as his weapon is sticking out from his coat. He is revealed to be the killer. She tries to strike a bargain with him, stating that the sisters know how to keep a secret. Before she can finish her pitch, Andy drives his modified weapon right into her mouth. He begins to tell Cassidy that he did all of this for her so she could finally sever all ties from this group. She agrees to flee with him, but he tells her that they need to kill Ellie first, that she's the one who told him in the first place. They split up to find her, and Cassidy finds her first. They attempt to make a run for it, but Andy catches them. Cassie tells Ellie to make a run for it, and Andy chases her instead. Cass manages to escape Andy's clutch. On her way out, she hears Maggie call for help. She's trapped in a burning room. Andy interrupts their moment and continues to kill Maggie, even from across the room, over the fire. Cassidy manages to take him down with a lamp again. And when she tries to help Maggie jump from the fire, he lunges again. This time causing Maggie to fall through the floor. As he monologues, Ellie makes a triumphant return and shoots Andy in the chest with Mrs. Crenshaw's shotgun. Andy falls to the floor and it falls through, engulfing him in flames. Ellie instructs Maggie to wrap herself in the drapes and jump across the flames while she helps Cassidy up. The trio manage to make it out of the burning mansion as first responders arrive on the scene. We flash forward to the next school year. The Theta Pi house is once again open for the new school year. We see new pledge Maggie front and center of the Theta Pi pyramid. As we pull out, we see a mysterious person with a scar and a new weapon waiting on the sidelines. We cut to black and our film we get the big ooh reveal of Andy being the killer. Ooh. I forgot Andy was here. Honestly, we got all these other red herrings and you forgot to red herring the actual killer. I think that's what they were doing on purpose, trying to be like, ooh, this is the actual reveal. Except you made the audience forget. I just forgot because he's so boring. It's very much a Roman. <laughs> reveal for me. Kinda it kind like, of is. That? Oh, that's right. The boyfriend. He essentially had to be like, I'm Andy. I'm, I'm Cassidy's boyfriend, remember? Pretty fucking much. It, it doesn't do much for me. What does it do for you? I don't mind it. I agree in the fact that it's kind of lackluster because you forget about Andy. And in my opinion, he didn't get enough airtime, yes, and and more of a red herring push, which, like you said, was probably their intention, but it didn't work for me because you forget about him. 
Um, I do like his motive, though. I like his motive of, we're doing it all for you, Damien. And he's doing <laughs> it so she can sever her ties from Theta Pi and start a new life as an adult without these toxic-ass bitches. Because, listen, this whole time, the only modifier that he has is that he is valedictorian. Because mm-hmm. he will say it four times in this ending. I said it in my valedictorian speech. You are the company that you keep. In my valedictorian speech. And he's explaining. He then, when he's chasing her, explains what valedictorian means. He goes on to mansplain. <laughs> Ew, Michelle. Like Welcome back to 2009, y'all. Exactly. Uh, chaos ensues. Cassidy pretends to be on his side to try and help her sisters. Finds Ellie, who's just crying in a corner. As she's done the whole movie. She leaves, finds Maggie in a burning room, and we get this giant setup. How do you feel about this fire sequence? I like it. Um, I feel like we needed a catalyst, you know, to hurry up and wrap things up and push things to the edge. Gotta make a choice. We gotta start killing people. In my notes, I literally wrote, I totally forgot about Maggie, and it's hilarious. Because I forgot she was still here until she was caught in the fire. Well, yeah, because she was convinced that Maggie was still alive and killing everybody. What a dumb bitch. Sure. Oh, wait a minute. Bitches. Cassidy then accidentally falls through the floor. You know what keeps her up? Is the chain bracelet that Mrs. Crenshaw gifted them. Because she actually believes in the true tenets of sisterhood. And that is what helps her. How symbolic. Secrecy and solidarity. I bet the writers really thought they did something. They thought they were groundbreaking. They're like, the people are going to eat this shit up. It's a reference back to their den mother. It, it's a twi- how many, well, however many links, because that's how many were in their graduating class. 24. Whatever. It's there. Yeah, sure. I can believe it. But we get Miss Ellie then having a final girl moment. She mm. is Sigourney Weaver. She is I don't want to go that. Oh, okay, no. Stop it right now. She thinks it. Look at the way, like, all of a sudden. Okay, she thinks it. She took her glasses off. That's how you know. She thinks it, but that's not what it's given, baby. <laughs> if you have to practice it, you just ain't got it. <laughs> she comes out with the shotgun, gives the final killing blow, quote unquote, to Andy. I didn't mm-hmm. like it. I don't like that Ellie gets to have that moment. I, yeah, it wasn't deserving of her to have that moment, but it is what it is. She com- she finally comes through for once in her fucking life. She comes through, kills Kyle, falls through. He's engulfed in flames. She instructs, I don't, I don't know. All of a sudden she's like an Eagle Scout. She tells, she instructs uh, Maggie, wrap yourself in the drapes and jump across. And she, Cassidy, I've got you. It, like she essentially mends her this? wounds already and like helps her out i don't know i do i do like the the final girl slow-mo shot of them coming the, out of the house the burning mansion behind them the music it's great i love that last shot because it is a classic mean girls shot it's in mean girls it's in mm-hmm. jawbreaker it's in heathers mm-hmm. the fact that they give an odd an ode a nod whatever to this type of genre is perfect. And the fact that it's the final one, Maggie looks fucked up. She's just in a bra and uh, a shirt. Everyone just looks wrecked. And it's great. It is good. It is. It is a great final shot for that final finale. I love it. We shoot to 15 months later is rush week. Of course, it's as if nothing happened. The house is fine. That no one cares that there was a bunch of murders here. I'm surprised this charter is still here. I'm surprised Greek life is still happening. 
I mean, no. Are you surprised though? Hello, white people get away with everything. Everything. This is true. And a big university like that would totally sweep it under the rug because then they would lose all their financing, all their funding. They would shut them down. People would be out of jobs. No, that this, I believe this a thousand percent. I suppose you are right. You are right. It's the cheer and it's in the trailer. It's why I wanted to watch this movie. Theta Pi says goodbye. Theta Pi says goodbye. Theta Pi says goodbye. Theta Pi must die. It's very Nightmare on Elm Street. Who doesn't love a rhyme? Mm-hmm. And we get a we get like a cliffhanger ending ish. Sure, I don't care. Yeah, I'm a little like. Who do you think that is at the end? I think it's supposed to be Andy because it's like burn marks. Was it burn marks? I thought it was Kyle. Why would it be Kyle? Kyle's dead. He's back. Is he? Listen, it doesn't matter. You're not going to find out. No one wants a sequel to this one. So I don't, I don't know what you want from me. Uh, we're here at the end of our movie. Finally, it was kind of a little bit of a trek. But I really want to know, what are your final scores for this movie? So this was my first watch. This was my first watch of this movie. I wanted to call you so bad immediately right after watching it, but I had to save my emotions for the pod. But I fucking loved this movie. This yes! movie was so campy and bitchy with a slasher edge. I loved it. I I don't know. I Like you said, this kind of got lost in the blip that was the remake renaissance of the early aughts, and this was right at the end of it. And... I don't know. This is this is a fantastic, fun movie. If you love any of the movies we mentioned, like Jawbreaker, Heather's, Me and Girls, Friday the 13th, Scream, Nightmare on Elm Street. This just encompasses Scream Queens. all of that into one, um, I wouldn't call it amazing, but fun romp of a slasher. I'm, I'm buying it because I did buy it. I just so happened to come across this in a thrift store. And it was meant to be, clearly. It really was. It really was. I'm so glad that you enjoyed it because I was honestly worried, especially with the not-so-great parts of this movie, mm-hmm. if that was going to really weigh it down. And I understand why people don't like this movie because oh, yeah. the bad parts of this movie are bad. bad. And offensive. Are bad and offensive. So I fully understand. I am actually going to say to rent it. Um, <gasps> I do want to own it. I will own it. I do buy I buy into this sorority, unfortunately. But I understand it's not for everybody. But it is a good time. Get with your sorority sisters. Get a keg. Watch this movie. It's such a fun setting for a slasher. It's so classic to have, like, sorority sisters getting hacked to bits and having... It's not even gratuitous TNA. We get some T. Yeah, it's fun. I say buy it, y'all. Buy it. I love it. I love it. Closing out our month will be the goth, wet dream, The Craft. Excited to do The Craft. This is going to be a sick one. This is going to be a sick one. I'm so stoked. If you love what you heard, please follow the queens on our Instagram at the Carpenter Queens. Our Twitter is at Carpenter Queens. My personal account is Nicholas Alexander Photography. My personal account is at STFU Ray. Until then, stay safe, stay queer, and stay spooky, y'all. Stay spooky. Bye, 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 bye.